I do want to start out just by honoring moms because it is Mother's Day. So I wanted to read a couple little things that I recently heard. I like this one, and I know all of you mothers can relate. I've carried a child within my body. I've slept with a baby on my chest. I've kissed boo-boos and mended broken hearts. I've been puked on and peed on and spent sleepless nights in a rocking chair. But I wouldn't have it any other way. My body isn't magazine perfect, but when I look into the eyes of my precious child, there's no greater honor or blessing than being their mom. And all of the mothers said, Amen. Amen. I heard this years ago, and I'll just repeat it again. If motherhood was going to be easy, it would start with something called labor. And so we know that being a mom, it's a lot of work that goes into that, but there is no greater joy. And we honor all of the moms in the house today. And now I look out over the audience, and I know many of you moms, you're in the same stage that I am. Your babies have grown up. And they're no longer, you know, where you're holding them in your arms. And lots of our babies are having babies. So I have now entered into the grandmother stage, the Grammy stage. And I love it. I feel like one lady that said, if I would have known that being a grandmother was so great, I would have had the grandkids first. So, (laughs) doesn't work that way, right? But just this week, I was driving home from actually visiting somebody in the hospital. It was a little difficult, rough week, rough day. And uh, um, so I thought, I need a Livy moment. So I called up John. I said, I need to talk to Livia. She says, she's only two, but, you know, touches my heart because she's so sweet. I, I, I wish all of you had one as sweet as she is. But anyhow, <laughs> he hands her the phone, didn't prompt her to say anything. And she said, hi, Mimi, I happy. And then she said a few more words and she said, candy. <laughs> so John gave me, gave back, took the phone back and said, mom, she's really happy. I gave her a popsicle. She thinks it's candy. So she was learning the word happy and candy all in the same day. But you know, it just lifted my heart. I thought that is so sweet. He didn't even tell her to say anything about happy and out of her mouth. I happy. Guess what? Grammy got happy real quick too. Just lifted me up. They say the sweetest things. And they also, kids can say the funniest things. Anybody ever discovered that? I was listening even this week to a man of God. It was several years ago when his kids were little. And uh, he was preparing for his Sunday morning message at home. He had the door to his study closed. And he'd been in there for hours diligently preparing. And every once in a while, the door would open. And his little girl would say, Daddy, can you play? And he kept saying to her, Honey, Daddy's studying. You know, I can't, I can't play right now. Well, when I get done, we'll have some play time. Well, you know, kids aren't that patient. So she kept coming back to the door. And after a while, she actually opened the door, ran in, jumped up on his lap and said, Daddy, can you play? And he said to her, now, honey, Daddy is really concentrating right now on his message, but I'm almost done. And then we'll play. So she ran off. Just a few minutes later, she opened the door, tiptoed in and she said, Daddy, are you done constipating yet? <laughs> she was ready to play. But anyway, 
all of that had nothing to do with my message, but it was fun anyhow. Yesterday I talked to the ladies about that you are royalty. Today the title of my message is Your Royal Family. And it relates to all of us. Now I don't know about you, but myself joined millions of people last week that watched the royal wedding between William and Kate. If you don't want to admit it, don't raise your hand. But I did. And also, I would have to say that Pastor was one of them as well. (laughs) He's embarrassed. But he was quite fascinated. You know, having just been in London a few weeks ago, it, it made it more special to us. I know he's like, look, honey, there's Westminster Abbey. We were right there. We saw this and saw that. We saw Buckingham Palace. So he got kind of into it with me. But I realized that as a lot of people were watching this, there were little girls all over the world and maybe some big girls too that were like, whoa, I wish I had a Prince Charming. I wish that I was marrying into a royal family. And I do realize also that most of you in here are not quite as blessed as I am. You didn't get to marry your Prince Charming, but I have one. Anyhow, no. And some of you today that are married, you may be actually looking at your marriage and you may be saying, there's no way that my marriage is a fairy tale. It's more like a nightmare. There's no way that my kids are little prince and princesses. They're more like demon child. But I am not trying to bum anybody out today. The good news is this. Regardless of what you are going on, going on in your life, regardless of how flaky your family may be. You might be saying, there's nothing royal about my family except it's full of royal nuts, fruits, and flakes. But regardless of our natural heritage, regardless of the situation that we're facing right now, I've got good news. Anybody want to hear some good news? The good news is when you receive Jesus, you're in a brand new family now. Hallelujah. And Jesus has come to make all of us royal. Jesus was and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You don't get any more royal than that. You don't get any higher than that. And our wonderful Jesus, our wonderful Lord and Savior, He paid the royal price of His precious, spotless, sinless blood that you and I now can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you and I now can be raised up together with Him and made to set together with Him. The Bible says that He has made Made us, every single one of us, kings and priests unto our God. If you haven't met them yet, that person sitting next to you is either king or queen somebody. We got King Joe down here and Queen Jean, uh, Queen, Queen Jean, Queen Jane. No, 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 not that way. <laughs> because he has made us all royalty. Let's look at a scripture here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I want to look at this out of the Amplified. This tells us who we are in Christ Jesus. 
But you, you, point to yourself and say, that's me. Me. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that you might show forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and the perfections of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Hallelujah. You and I once were victims of darkness, but the Bible says He has translated us out of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of light. When Jesus comes into our hearts and into our lives, that darkness that had bound us prior to us being born again, is destroyed by the light, by the power of the gospel. This gospel that we preach, this gospel that we live, this gospel that we love and hold dear to our hearts, it brings change into our lives. It causes us to be what He has created us to be. When we get into the Word of God, we begin to see ourselves differently. You may have come from a background where people People were constantly putting you down and telling you what you couldn't do and telling you that you were a loser and telling you that you were a second-class citizen. I was talking to the ladies about that yesterday, that there is a spirit from the devil that tries to hound women and attack their self-image and their worth and cause them to feel rejected. But i got good news to, for today from the Word of God. Ephesians 1, 6 says, We are accepted in the beloved. No matter what people may have said about you. No matter what may have been done to you. No matter if you've never known the love of a godly mate. You've got the love of Jesus. You've got the acceptance of the almighty God. You are beloved of him. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And there's nobody that will love you. There's nobody that cares for you. There's nobody that watches over you and your family like the Lord Jesus Christ. You are chosen. You are a special possession of the Lord Jesus. You are purchased with the blood of the Lamb and that makes you royalty from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The royal blood of Jesus flows in your veins and there's nothing loser about that. Hallelujah. You are a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. All that He has belongs to you. Hallelujah. The Bible doesn't just say that we are heirs. It says we are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. That means all of heaven's resources belong to us. If you're in a difficult situation with your family right now, I want to encourage you to rise up and be who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't lay down. Don't let the devil lie to you. You are not defeated. You are not the overcome. You are the overcomer. He always causes us to triumph. There is nothing that you and faith in your God cannot put to naught. Hallelujah. He causes us to triumph. You are the head and not the tail. I don't care what society.
the Lamb. We are stamped with the Word of the living God. We are in Christ Jesus' brand new creations. Hallelujah. When you come into the family of God, when you receive Jesus, the Bible says you are a chosen race. You are a new species that never existed before. The old man is gone. Of course, the nature of the old man will try to crop up, but you're not who you used to be. So stop acting like what you used to act like. Act like who you are. You are royalty. You are a child of the most high God. Get that branded on the inside of you. When we were watching that wedding, one of the things that it was got annoying to me, they kept saying, Kate, the commoner, putting her down, Kate, the commoner. She didn't come from the lineage of royalty. And this one guy was making a big deal of, of all the training she was going to have to go through and all this stuff. And he was being real negative And he's like, she's going to have to give up her privacy. And she's going to be under enormous pressure to perform. And people are going to watch her every move and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Finally, this one woman spoke up, and I loved it. And she said this. Yes, but think of the extraordinary life she's going to have. What an opportunity to make a difference. She may be a commoner now, but in a few minutes after this wedding, she's going to be royalty. And she is going to be a person who now has a title. She's now the duchess of whatever. She's going to have a position. And she's going to have the resources to impact and to affect change in her world. And then he also addressed all the privileges. She was, I mean, this lady addressed the privileges she was going to have. She's got a choice of these huge homes that she can live in. She can go house hopping if she wants to. Live in a different house every other week. She's got a choice of cars. She's got access to a private jet and a yacht. And this was my favorite. And then she added this. And she has a husband who truly loves her and will be with her every step of the way. That made me shout because I started thinking about what our bridegroom has done for us. I started thinking about how the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, what he has done for us. You and I, at one time, we were foreigners. We were pilgrims. We were outside of the covenant of God. We were more than just outside Buckingham Palace. We were outside the covenant. We didn't belong in the throne room of grace. But then Jesus, our Lord, our Redeemer, he stepped to center stage. And he said, I want them for my own. They're going to no longer be foreigner. They're going to no longer be outside of the covenant. My blood I'm going to shed for them. And it's going to redeem them. Hallelujah. It's going to put them into right standing with me. He came along you and I. And he said, I'm going to love them with an everlasting love. I'm going to be there for them. 
I'm going to walk them through difficulties. They were saying that William was going to walk her through all this stuff that she was going to have to learn. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you're going through a midnight hour, when your children are acting like little hellions, I haven't left you. I won't forsake you. I'm there right by your side. I love you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that Jesus, he longs to be a father to the fatherless. I know there's lots of single parents in this congregation, but your children do not have to go without. Your children do not have to grow up feeling rejected. You still instill into them. You might not have a daddy right here that's with us day and night, but you do have a daddy. You have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have the Father God that loves you and that believes in you. Who's accepted you? Who's going to empower you to be all that you can be in this life? There was another phrase that was used in this wedding that made me get blessed. They probably had no idea. Most of the people were sleeping and looked bored and stiffed out of their minds. But this one guy got up there in all these robes and in his religious, pious voice. He said something powerful. I couldn't believe it. He pointed to William and Kate and he said, Be who God created you to be and you will set your world on fire. Woo! And I'd say that to you today. Be who God created you to be. And you will set your world on fire. Be the woman of God. Be the man of God. And you will impact. And you will influence your family like nobody else can. Women of God, you rise up in your prayer closet. You speak the word of God over your children. And you watch God do mighty things in and through their lives. All throughout the word of God, there are women that have impacted their world. Today, we want to look at three women that ended up in the hall of faith. This is a place of notoriety in the word of God. And there are three women there. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. These were ordinary women, but they had faith in an extraordinary God. All three of them had something in common. Faith for their families. The three women that we are going to talk about. First of all, we're going to talk about Sarah. Sarah had faith to conceive a family. Then we're going to talk about Rahab. Rahab had faith. To preserve her family. And the Shunammite woman, thirdly, she had faith to restore her family. So turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11. And we want to look at verse 11 as we talk about Sarah. Now all of these women, their stories are listed in detail throughout the word. 
We're not going to, for time's sake, go ahead and read all the scriptures about them, but I will point out to you where you can go and read their stories in depth. But here we see this about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful. Everybody say she judged him faithful. Now, that was not always the case in Sarah's life. Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Abraham had a covenant with God. And in this covenant, God told Abraham that his seed was going to be mighty upon the earth. Only one problem. He didn't have any seed. And him and Sarah were getting older by the day. And one day, you can see this account in Genesis chapter 18. One day, an angel shows up and begins to talk to Abraham. And he tells him that now is the time you and Sarah are going to conceive. And you're going to bring forth this promised child. Well, at this time of this discussion, Sarah was in the tent. And the Bible tells us that she laughed. She had a moment where she judged God funny. Have any of you ever been there? Has God ever spoken something to you in your heart and then you're like, That's hilarious! Are you kidding me? There's no way that could ever happen. And you begin to laugh, laugh in disbelief. That's not going to come to pass. Well, Sarah had that moment where she was judging God funny. But something happened in her life. She got turned around and began to judge God faithful. But at that moment, when the angel spoke to her, things weren't looking so good. I'm sure her first reaction was, Dear God, have you seen Abe lately? He's 99 years old. And I'm 90 years old. God, you know there ain't been any in that tent for a long time. But the more that God began to move on her heart, things changed in her heart. And there was one night when she looked over at Abraham and he looked over at her and she thought, are you feeling frisky tonight? And he looked at her and said, yes, and you're looking younger and more beautiful than ever. And you know the rest of the story. She was totally a woman of faith. It said she had faith to conceive. She had faith to act on this. You know, well, I won't go into any detail. You know what I'm talking about. She went from judging him funny to judging him faithful. Let's look at Hebrews 11, 11 in the Amplified. Because of faith, also Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child when she was long. Everybody say long. Long past the age for it. Because she considered God who had given her the promise. Now we know that God spoke to Abraham. But Sarah also had to receive that promise 
She was part of the deal, you know. Abraham couldn't have had Isaac by himself. So Sarah had to receive that promise into her. She received the promise. And then it says, because she considered God to be what? Reliable, trustworthy, and true to his word. I know there are some folks sitting in here today that God has spoken some things to your heart and they've been placed in there by the spirit of God. But as time passes, sometimes we let that vision, we let that dream drop. But I want to encourage you and exhort you by the spirit of God today to pick it up and get your faith stirred up on the inside of you. There is faith available for you to conceive and to bring forth what he's put on the inside. That's what we learn from Sarah. Now let's look at the next one, Rahab. Rahab. Now look at Hebrews 11:31. Rahab faith to preserve her family. Verse 31. In the New King James, it says, By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now, how would you like that word harlot to be before your name in the Bible forever and ever for people to read? This was not... Rahab was not known in the community as an outstanding citizen. She was not known as a virtuous woman. But the Bible put it in there just like that for us as a witness, as a testimony. That it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter how far you've been away from God and all the terrible things that you may have been involved in. When God's grace comes upon your life, hallelujah, He will use you for His glory. He doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your present and what you're going to do about your future. Your past is under the blood. And the exciting thing about Rahab, you can see her story in Joshua chapter 2. This was a time when Moses was dead. The children of Israel, they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now Joshua was on the scene. And they were going in and they were taking their possession. They were taking it city by city. They were doing what God had told them to do. And now they had come up to Jericho. And Jericho was a huge walled city. And the Bible says that Joshua sent two spies to Jericho. And they didn't go to Jericho and check in at a five-star hotel. They prayed and they were led by where they could go, where they knew that they would be received and they would be protected. And they ended up at Rahab's house. And that was by no accident. Two things here. Rahab had a colorful past. Some of you may have had a colorful past. But when those spies showed up, she began to, she hid them. And then the Bible tells us that as they're getting ready to leave, she pleaded her case. And she was bold about it. She said, I've been kind to you. I saved your lives. Now I'm going to ask you the life of my life and my family's life for your lives. And the interesting thing, this woman was bold. She said, I have heard about your God. I know that he has given you this land. And there was terror all around her. 
about the children of Israel. But she wasn't afraid. She said, I know that Jericho's going to come down. But I also know that your God is a faithful God. So she said, swear to me. Promise me upon the word of your God that I will be preserved. And she didn't just ask for herself. She took it a step further and she said, And now I want my brothers and my sisters, my in-laws, their in-laws, and all that they have. I want it all to be protected. And the spies didn't argue with her. They said, be it to you, according to your word, basically. What you've asked for is granted because you spared our lives. Whoever gets in your house, they will be spared. And then she said, they said, you need a token. We're going to give you a token because when the armies come, when the children of Israel come, there needs to be a sign over your house that it is protected. And you know what kind of sign it was? They told her, put a scarlet thread on the outside of your house. Do you know what that scarlet thread represented? It represents the blood of Jesus. And to me, it's a twofold meaning on her house. That scarlet thread of the blood of Jesus says to me, Rahab, your past is under the blood. That scarlet thread of the blood says, Rahab, you and all of yours are protected because of the blood. And it's interesting to me in my Bible that verse right there in Joshua, it references us over to Proverbs chapter 31 verse 21, and that's the scripture. The verse is about the virtuous woman, and it says that the virtuous woman clothes her household in scarlet. She went from Rahab the harlot to being a woman that knew how to take her stand for her family. All of you women of God out there, clothe your family in scarlet. That means every single day you plead the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my household, over me, over my car, over my house, over my children, over my grandchildren, over my aunts and my uncles, my grandma, my grandpa, over my church. As a staff, we plead the blood of Jesus over you on a regular basis. Why? Because we have that authority in the realm of the Spirit. If you hook up with a place like this, then you get the blessings that come on this place. God told her, the spies told Rahab, get them into your house. Build an ark of safety. This place right here, you know what? It's an ark of safety. It's an ark of provision. The blood of Jesus is over this building and not just this natural building, but in the realm of the spirit. All of ours that belong to us, all of ours, we belong to Jesus first of all, but the family of God at heart of the bay, we're pleading the blood of Jesus over you. And you can do it over your family. Rahab contended for person. For preservation and protection. And she got it. 
if she could do that and she wasn't even born again, how much more? Every day you go about your business and you say, I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. I'm under the precious blood, the cleansing blood, the keeping blood, the protecting blood, the overcoming blood. Speak the word. Have faith in the power of the blood. The power of the blood of Jesus is what translated us out of hell and brought us into the kingdom of God. If it can do that, don't you think it can protect your family on 880? Don't you think it can protect your family if there is an earthquake here? We're protected. We're under the blood. We're under the blood. Make much of the blood. And the blood will make much of you. It will cause you to stand. Hallelujah. Even in turbulent times. The token for her was that scarlet thread. The token for us is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And then the third woman that we want to look at. Don't know. We don't want to keep you here all day. Moving right along. But I'm telling you, I'm getting blessed. Unction up here. The third woman. She's not named by name. But we can see who it is by what the scripture says. Hebrews 11.35 in the NIV version says this. Women received back their dead. Raised to life again. And it references there over to 2 Kings chapter 4. You can write this down. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. It is the account of the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman lived in a land where the prophet Elijah, he passed by there on a regular basis. And the Bible tells us after a period of time that this woman perceived that he was a man of God. And she said to her husband, let's build him a room. And the husband, being a good husband, he said, yes, dear. (laughs) Whatever you say, dear. (laughs) He knew it was the right thing to do. And so they built the prophet a room. And so he came by on a regular basis. And when he was in that part of of the country, he stayed with them. After a while... He said, you know, this woman has been so kind to me. I want to do something for her. What does she need? He discovered that she had no children. I'm sure she was probably past the age of of bearing a child as well. She had no children. So he gives her the word. You're going to conceive and you're going to have a child. And we know it happened just like he said. Now, we know the child grew up. I don't know if he was an adolescent, a teenager. He was old enough to be working out in the field with his father. And the word says that a day came where he fell sick. The servants brought him back to the house. And he died. He didn't just faint. He didn't just pass out. He died. And this woman, this tenacious, God-believing, God-fearing woman, she didn't panic. She took him. And she laid him on the prophet's bed. And she went out to her servant and said, I got to go find the man of... God. They all begin to ask her, what's going on? Her response has given, has to her credit down through history. She said, it is well. Everybody say, 
It is well. It's not always to say, easy to say, it is well. In the face of difficulty, in the face of tragedy, in the face of terrible situations, our flesh does not want to cry out, it is well. Our flesh wants to say, what's going on? It's so terrible. But this woman, she had faith in God. And I love her tenacity. I love her perseverance. She would not speak anything except it is well with me. It is well with my child. Well, we know what happened. The man of God came. She contended for him. And he contended for her child. And her child was restored unto her. That's why the Bible says women receive their dead restored back to life. I don't know what kind of dead situation may be going on in your life right now. It might be a broken relationship. It might be a child that's not speaking to you. It might be something going on between you and your parent or you and another family member. It could be dead finances. I don't know what it is. You could have gotten laid off and your and your finances are in terrible shape. But I want to declare to you according to the word of God There is power to restore. If we will rise up in faith and begin to speak what the word of God speaks. If we will say, it is well with my family. It is well with my finances. It is well with my body. Some of you are under physical attack. And there's a scripture that the psalmist David prayed. And he said, restore health. Unto my body. Restore. Everybody say restore. God is able and God is willing to restore and to make better than before. Don't you know that that lady was excited. The Shunammite lady was blessed to receive this child in the first place. But can you imagine the rejoicing that took place when this child that had been given to her was dead and then restored back to life. Woo! God's got good things in store for you. I'm sure all of us today can relate to these three women in one fashion or another. And God has already ministered by His Word. But He's going to minister to you by His Spirit.